What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Monday and welcome to the Dialed Health Podcast. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at DialedHealth.com. And I'm Amber Simon, project manager of DialedHealth.com. And today we have an overrated or underrated conversation where we took topics from Instagram that people ask, and it's completely random across the board. And I'm going to tell you whether or not I think it's overrated or underrated. Amber, you want to give them some examples of things we talked through? Oh, yeah. We talked about donuts. We talked about bike weight. We talked about Billy Joel, guys. (laughs) (laughs) If you're wondering who Billy Joel is, it's probably because you're under 30 or you're around my age. And that's understandable. But we also talk a lot about nutrition. We talk about supplements. We talk about strength exercises in particular. And I'm going to tell you if they're overrated or underrated and why. Should we talk about FTP tests versus ramp tests? And it's a really fun conversation where you're actually going to hear myself think through it as we talked about the answers. And I think it's informative. And again, it's just, it's fun and it's light. Yeah, it was really fun to talk about those things. After that, stay tuned for weekly thoughts. How do I stay motivated? That's what we talk about. How Derek stays motivated and how you can get clear on how you can keep that motivation. And then we go straight into announcements because there's no weekly questions this week. Weekly questions were a no-go because essentially the whole episode is questions and we figured it'd be a little bit too repetitive. So we skip that, but we go into announcements and we talk about app updates, which is incredibly exciting because the clarity on the app now and the process of how we're going to roll this out by the end of Q1 is all set in stone. And the whole team is excited. The amount of work and progress we have had behind the scenes is pretty unreal, actually. I've gone from believing it was possible to now understanding exactly how we're going to do it. And that feels incredible. So we're going to give you more updates on that. And we're also going to talk about Dialed Health Shred, Amber's updates, my personal updates. Amber has some really transparent feedback about how she's feeling in week two. So let's get into it. We're doing one of my new favorite things, which is an overrated or underrated conversation. I originally saw this on Instagram from a really good follow, by the way, Marcus Philly, kind of a CrossFit guy, but has great fitness uh, content in general, really good nutrition advice. And he did this on his Instagram. So I put a question box up on my Instagram story and just said, hey, give me a topic. I'll let you know if I think it's overrated or underrated and why. I did that, followed it up later that day, and people loved it. It had great engagement. I got a ton of DMs and I haven't done it since then. It's been about six months. So I figured we should do it today. We haven't done an Instagram question type episode in a while, which are also pretty dang popular because they're random. They're fun. People asked us all sorts of stuff on this and we got a ton of questions and putting that overrated or underrated spin on it is a little more controversial. It gets the people going. So Amber, you're reading all the questions today from Instagram. Do you want to just dive into it? Yeah, I am going to dive into it because the first one is the most controversial in our house. Overrated or underrated late night eating? (laughs) (laughs) Late night eating? I would have to say it's overrated because it's probably the number one thing that keeps weight on people when they're trying to lose weight. I know it's a problem for myself. Was there more to the question, Amber? I thought there was something about because I did briefly scan these people. Yeah, yeah. So this person says that their work situation is weird and they don't often have time 
or an appetite until before bed, which I would relate to greatly. Yeah, I think the appetite thing could be fixed with some habit change. If you are able to eat a little bit more throughout the day, maybe you start eating earlier throughout the day, or even changing what your macro profile is. So sometimes I know that people can save carbs for the night, but also at the same time, it's easy to overeat carbs. And when you get a little bit behind on those types of calories or behind on that energy, it's easier to overeat them. So you almost get that ravenous, uncontrollable eating in the snacking. And I know firsthand for me, not eating after dinner or having a very controlled amount of food, which is popcorn or some kind of low calorie snack is about the only way I could ever lose weight. But then again, you have people who mm-hmm. intermittent fast, which is another topic I know we'll go over, but who, you know, save their calories for the end of the day. And at the end, at the end of the day, no pun intended, it's kind of calories in calories out. Of course, there's metabolism issues with people. There are other factors, but the majority of the science will say it is calories in or calories out. So if you don't eat for the majority of the day, and then you eat most of your calories at the end of the day, but you don't go over your basal metabolic rate or whatever your activity burn was that day, I think it's okay. It's like saying that waking up at 8am is better than waking up at 5am. Well, if you work late into the evening and you get a full night's sleep and you just start your day then, and you're more productive than the person that gets up 5am, it's not saying that 8 a.m. is worse. You know what I mean? So yeah, keep that in mind. I think the focus is, you know, hitting your calorie goal and making sure your macros are somewhat in tune and just not letting yourself overeat. But I will say if you weigh first thing in the morning, you might be a little bit heavier at that time than someone who didn't eat as much right before bed. So it could change the timing of, at which you weigh and you, you just, you know, consider that. This answer was very much in my favor for the record. <laughs> In the same vein, the next overrated, underrated is calorie counting. I know what your answer is going to be. Underrated. Oh my gosh. When people tell me, don't count calories, just eat moderately. First off, if you've never counted calories, you don't know what moderate eating is, plain and simple. And I know that because for one, I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands of people about this at this point. But you know, I, I posted myself measuring my wine the other night and people of course had stuff to say about that. Or if someone posts themselves having half a pint of ice cream because it fit their macros and people get so fixated on calorie control and you know, putting these boundaries boundaries on what you can or you can't eat. But the thing is, you guys, if you want control and if you have a specific goal, you have to direct what you're doing. It's the same thing with budgeting and financials. It's the same thing with operating a business or your training. If there's something you want, there's probably a path to get there and you either do it or you don't. You're probably not going to stumble into the results on accident. And if you've never tracked your food and you don't know what real calories are, then don't plan on getting the results you want. So yeah, the thing is though, the whole calorie counting thing is so triggering to people because of emotional eating. And, you know, again, this is a side of it I totally recognize. And I know that it can stress people out so much that it there's probably a better path. But just so you know, that other path is probably a lot of one-on-one nutrition coaching. It's a lot more time, a lot more money, and it's going to be a lot more effort. And that's just the reality. So calorie counting is underrated. I knew it. I knew that was going to be your answer. I think I know the answer to the next one too. This is my game to myself during this podcast is trying to guess what your answer is going to be. Oh, that's a good idea. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The next one is 10 days of rest post COVID overrated or underrated. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Talk about a triggering topic. This one is really, I almost don't want to give my opinion on this one, to be honest, because it's just going to lead down too much of a rabbit hole. But um, I'll say 10 days rest post COVID. Here's the thing. I took three days off when I got COVID. And when I finally decided to take a day off, 
it was because I did a high intensity workout. So they were, I think, anaerobic intervals on trainer road. I remember pushing hard where I really didn't feel good. And I was just trying to get the, do the most I could that day, which, you know, say it's dumb, say it's aggressive or, you know, why I get results. I don't know. I mean, it's just what I do. I always try and push myself, even if I'm sick. It's like, what can I get done? But that day I felt like my heart was going to do something bad. I, I literally remember doing an interval and being like, stop right now. Everything in my body said stop right now. And I stopped. And I think that's the only workout on trainer road that I've not completed. Maybe there's been another one maybe, but after that, I took a few days off because because even leading up to it, I was doing some more moderate spins intensity wise and some moderate workouts in the gym. My studio, by the way, I wasn't going to a public gym <laughs> knowing I had COVID. So anyways, I did some more moderate stuff. And once I cranked up that intensity, I realized, oh man, I really need to take a few days off. But I took three, started spinning light and then got back into it. But that whole process was a few weeks. So and that was last December. So anyways, I would say that I can't even give an answer on that one. That one feels like no, I can put myself into that position. You know what I mean? I think the best answer is listen to your body because everybody's cases are different and everybody's body is different. I mean, a hundred percent across and, the board. Oh my gosh. This is going to turn into way much of a rant. We should move on. I'll just say that's <laughs> what I did. People. That's what I did. Okay. Next one. BCAAs overrated, Ooh. underrated. Great. Uh, okay. It's interesting. I want to say overrated because I've never taken them, but it's crazy timing because I just ordered them literally yesterday or two days ago. I am an ambassador for BPN now. They make some BPAAs. I'm trying to uh, kind of experiment with a lot more of their product. And also I have not taken very many supplements over the last couple of years, period. There's been times I've taken multivitamins on and off, fish oils, different types of superfood supplements, protein powders, creatines, probably the most consistent thing I've taken and creatine and using protein powder are the two consistent things I've done in the last two years. And then even when I took things like a fish oil, I would take them for six months in a row and then not take them. I even took vitamin D3 for a little while because I did a nutrition test and I was deficient in vitamin D was like one of the only things, which is also very common. And again, uh, in the recent times, a good supplement to make sure you're on top of. So anyways, I have not noticed any benefit from a supplement in particular besides protein and creatine in the last couple of years. So, but then again, I haven't done much more experimenting. And so recently I started taking some super greens, which I feel like help my inflammation levels. And I started taking some strong reds, which is a BPN product. And I just ordered their strong joints and their BCAAs. So anyways, I'll say overrated because I've never taken them up until this point. And I, I, I think that you can get a very high fitness level <laughs> without them. However, you don't know what you don't know. And I'm going to start taking them consistently. And we're going to find out. All right. Overrated, underrated, pooping. Pooping? Oh my. You know what? I saw this one and I was like, I love a good poop joke, but what is this? You just wrote pooping? You know what I will say? In regards to health, it's underrated. If we're talking about a quality poop, let me give you the steps necessary. First off, proper hydration. We don't need you on there, you know, hitting those, getting those rabbit pellets out, you know, grunting, screaming, doing whatever it is you need to do to get those things out. Hydration is going to help your poop. Now, also, I'll tell you, looking at your poop is underrated. Look at your poop. It says a lot about your health. Look at your poop. Just kind of keep track of it. You should know what your poop's like. And get a squatty potty. Put yourself in the proper pooping position. It lines up your large intestine directly with your rectum and allows those things to just rock it out of there. Less force. Also, <laughs> baby wipes. If you are not on the baby wipe train, I want you to know you're not clean. 
You're just not clean. Here's an experiment. If you are doubting the effectiveness of baby wipes and just that great clean feeling, especially when you're in a chamois. First off, if you're someone who's spending hours in a chamois, let's make sure everything is just a squeaky clean, like Mr. Clean's bald head. You could see a reflection off it type clean. And so do this. You handle your business. You use toilet paper. You get as clean as you can with toilet paper. And then I want you to follow it up with a baby wipe and you tell me what happens. Just, I'm just throwing it out there. I've done this experiment (laughs) and every time I'm like, wow, thank God I had baby wipes. So that's my pooping step, proper hydration, get your poop, squatty potty and, and baby wipes. I'm not on the bidet train yet. But I will be. Maybe when Dialed Health reaches a million dollars in revenue, I'll be at that level in my life where I have just a sick bidet with like a heated seat and the whole deal. Haven't tried it yet. Looking forward to that day. Uh, That's a level of success I haven't reached yet. This would be a great podcast to get a uh, bidet sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, could you imagine? (laughs) So yeah, pooping, I would say, is underrated because there's a lot more to it than just pooping. Nice. Okay. Crunches. Overrated, underrated. 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 I'm saying that because so many people are like, don't do crunches. It's such a waste of time. Never do another crunch. And there's, it, this is a big marketing thing. There's people who I love, like Steve Cook, who's done videos on this. And I get it. I really get it. I, I mean, the majority of your core training should not just be crunches. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be crunches because what you want your core to do, I would say primarily, is be able to brace and transfer force. Uh, brace against force and transfer. So you want to be able to stabilize your spine and be able to maintain a neutral spine in a safe, protected position for your back under a lot of force from every single direction. And a lot of that happens from planking variations, lateral, bracing against lateral forces. So let's just say you're doing a dumbbell plank slide and you're dragging that dumbbell across your body or you're doing a side plank. Those are all great examples of that. But then you can do cable chops where you know, you're not flexing forward, but you are rotating. Or you could do some side dips where you have that lateral flexion of your spine. So it is good to have the variety and to do those flexion exercises. But it's gotten a bad rap because I think the most productive thing you can do uh, bracing against pressure to build your core. And that means kind of not really moving as much. But with that being said, crunches have gotten a bad rap. I, I mean, think about getting out of bed every morning. What do you do? You do a crunch. At some form, you kind of crunch, you're up to the side, you're up to this, you're up to that. And if you're not strong, you're going to pull in other muscles. You're going to probably use your back a little bit more. You're going to have a weird strain. I mean, think about sneezing. Think about coughing. What do you do? You contract your abs and lean forward. (laughs) So this is to say that crunching is not a functional thing or it's bad for your spine is just bogus. And that's why I would say crunches are underrated because a lot of people have tried to use that narrative in the last probably 10 years, honestly. I mean, as long as I've been a trainer, people have said, don't do crunches. I think it's dumb. You know, do a little bit. Yeah. Overrated, underrated. Crocs. <laughs> overrated. Totally overrated. I don't have Crocs. I get the allure. I, I usually just wear slides if I'm going to wear something like that. Or I'll even just wear full-on flip-flops. But I feel like flip-flops have really gone out of style. Don't you feel like that, Amber? Like straight-up oh, thong yeah. flip-flops? Like the, uh, yeah, they're like the dad sandal for sure. Like, Yeah, yeah. W- which is kind of unfortunate because remember the rainbow sandals? That brand oh, Rainbow. I do remember those. Like the leather Maybe ones? that was a California mm-hmm. thing, but I don't know. Yeah. They're cool. They're mellow. It's just, it's casual. I would way rather wear those than Crocs. But then again, I, I also understand when you're mountain biking, especially you're road riding and you, you want to get out of your riding shoes, to throw on something like Crocs is really nice. But that's when I usually just wear slides. So anyways, I, I get the allure, but I'm going to say overrated because there's other options that are 
cooler. Yeah, way cooler. Like uh, PVC, like the squishy Birkenstocks. Oh, underrated. My favorite. Oh, that's a good tip right there. I will say we got mm-hmm. Crocs for my son, Otto. And we got him for him when he was like one and a half. So he's walking, going in and outside. He's super dirty feet, but they're all rubber. And being able to clean those things easily and slip them on and off, that was nice. Maybe they're overrated for adults and underrated for kids. (laughs) Solid dad answer there, Derek. Underrated, overrated, tire pressure. (laughs) Is this from Cam? Yes. It's from Cam (laughs) Bobier. I'm calling him out yep. because this is it. I saw this and I know what he's referring to. I'm so happy I have time to explain this on the podcast. I'm going to say it's <laughs> I'm going to say it's overrated, but you got to let me explain people. Here's why. Now, this is coming from someone who uses a, a digital tire gauge every single ride. I do not ride without checking my tire pressure. So it's very important to me. But here's what Cam is alluding to. I did a YouTube video where I'm still working out the kinks on my cross-country bike. Now, on a cross-country bike, you're pretty much running single wall tires for the most part. They're thin, they're narrow, and they're light, which is why you run them. But I am not used to the amount of tire roll you can get on these things. Coming from an enduro background, I can hit corners hard and I usually hit them hard with uh, super thick sidewalls, heavy downhill casing. And if I run too much, too low a pressure, even on my enduro bike, what you get is a, a rolling effect. The tire wants to roll off of the rim. And Kaylee even talked about this on the podcast last week, where people will lower their tire pressure inside a corner, blow up the turn, and then roll the tire off the rim and it spits out sealant, looks cool, sounds cool. But that will really happen just from act, <laughs> you know, without lowering the pressure too much. So Long story short, I started riding this cross-country bike and I noticed that when I would go around a turn with support, like a berm or something, I was getting that rolling effect. It's very squirmy. It gets you off your line. It's unsettling. I don't like the way it feels. So I ended up going up to 26 PSI in my rear tire and 24 in the front just to avoid this. I have since dropped it to... 25 rear 23 front, which feels very good. Uh, But I also had to realize that you can't push the bike into those corners that hard. So he's trying to make a joke and I'm not falling for it. And I'm saying it's underrated. And the reason I run high pressure is because I can actually hit corners fast enough to blow my tire off the rim. Unlike some other people, boom, roasted. That's why I do it. Except I will say Cam could definitely blow a tire off the rim. He's a great rider. But yeah, in this podcast, you're not a good rider. (laughs) That's why I run high pressure. Sick burn. Okay. I know this one. I know this one for you. So donuts, underrated, overrated. Okay. You know, what's crazy. Everything in me wants to say underrated, but it's been a while since I've had donuts. I think the last time it's been a couple months, I took my son to go get donuts. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking back to it. This was around Thanksgiving and I had the most incredible, this is such a white California kid that's thing to say, I had such an incredible pumpkin spice donut. <laughs> it was no shame. unbelievable. And I also had, okay, first off, I have to point out some of the, the best donuts, it, it doesn't come down to the flavor for me because I, I'm not picky on flavor. It just comes down to frosting ratio, moistness, and... I think the texture, because for example, this pumpkin spice donut I had was half dipped in chocolate. So one side of it was dipped in chocolate and one side of it was just had a little powdered sugar on top. It was incredible. And the other one that was so good, and I'm sorry for saying this for everyone who's doing the dot hole shred, but the, I had an old fashioned glazed and I had some other ones too, that were like maple, like really good, but it was an old fashioned glazed and they were so incredible. So totally different donuts, kind of plain flavors, but so freaking good. So you know what? Donuts are underrated. 
I mean, gosh, they're so good. The macros on them are terrifying though. And this is, you guys, I will also say, I'm not going to tell you right now that Oreos are, I think this is one of the questions actually. Someone asked about Oreos. Oreos are underrated because it's a store-bought cookie that is better than most of your grandma's homemade cookies. Boom, roasted, sick burn. Again, shout out to everybody. I mean, my grandma makes some of the best cookies ever, but dude, Oreos, store-bought, beating a lot of people's grandma's cookies. I'm telling you, this is crazy. The macros are so bad, and I don't know if it's years of tracking food. I, I almost can't enjoy them the same way, and they're so addictive. Eating a couple is so difficult. So I have had Oreos way less frequently because it feels like I either eat them till I get sick and that's how I want to eat Oreos or I have a couple and I'm not satisfied. It's like Doritos. I mean, they are chemically made to be more addictive. So as soon, before you even swallow that bite, you just want the next bite. It's obviously not real food. So anyways, I just haven't been enjoying them like I, I have up until this point. It's kind of weird. So anyways, that was a tangent. I'm sorry, Amber. I know we said no tangents, but uh, donuts underrated. Uh, yeah, Oreos still underrated. In the same vein, your bride would like to know if Doughboy's Donuts are overrated or underrated. Is that Doughboy's what you're talking about? The pumpkin? Is that? Yeah, where's that? No, no. What is that? That's, that's local. That's this place called Bad Bakers in my local area, which for sure has the best donuts around. And I'll even tell you Bad Bakers, they have a lot of really unique donut breakfast type foods, but they have this sprinkled donut. It is the ultimate in sprinkled donuts. It's not normal sprinkles. It's the little circle pellet ones that are super small and they're rainbow mm -hmm. and they dunk the entire donut in them. And literally you get, you walk any kid in there and you ask them which donut they want. They're just going to point to that and they call it the unicorn, whatever. And I think they put cotton candy in the center of it. Sometimes my son loses his mind. So anyways, that's bad bakers. That's where I got that pumpkin spice one. Super, super good. But the best donuts I've ever had in my entire life are in Reno and it's called Doughboy Donuts. It's in the most cookie cutter commercial strip by like a Walmart. And you walk in, you look at the donuts, they kind of just look like normal donuts. The one thing you'll notice is that they're a little bit bigger. But when you eat these donuts, you will realize the frosting to bread ratio is impeccable. It could not be better. The dough is extremely soft. The flavors are awesome. All of the standards across the board from, you know, from old fashioned donuts to your standard brioche donuts to the their French crullers are out of control. Maybe the great, a vanilla French cruller. Do you know what that is, Amber? I mean, I know what a cruller is, but I don't know a what, a vanilla? A French vanilla cruller. I don't know if a cruller is different than a French cruller, but it's this little spiral one that is super is airy. That, yeah. Is cruller the same oh. as an old fashioned? Oh my gosh, they couldn't be more opposite, Amber. Your donut oh. knowledge is gone. Well, well, I'm starting to wonder if there's like a like region difference in some things. Do you know what I mean? Because like, oh, I don't I'm think sure, that they're yeah. the same in Kansas. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think things are different in Kansas than they are in California. I know that, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're saying Kansas, California? You think donuts are that different in California? There's probably more pumpkin spice really flavors like in California. <laughs> probably. We have sausage rolls yeah. here. Do you have sausage rolls there? Oh. Okay, that is, oh, uh, I was going to say that the Bad Baker's Place has these sausage rolls. They do, actually. Oh, my God. Those are my dreams. They also have the, they have these things called Spanish rolls too. Do you know about what? these? They're like What's the, that? it's like basically, I, I want to say it's almost like a, it's not a croissant. It's a, I, maybe it is almost like a croissant pastry dough that they roll in just butter and sugar. And I think maybe a little cinnamon, but they're baked that way. It's, they're super addictive. Um, anyways. Okay. This yeah, is a donut so Doughboy Donuts. Now. I know. <laughs> Doughboy Donuts. Gosh, everyone's going to be craving them. I'm even craving them after this. But 
it is the, the best donuts I've ever had. I, I rate and judge every donut I eat or every pastry for that matter, almost against Doughboy donuts. Is it better or is it worse? But, and by the way, that's a place because my friends went to college in that area. I would spend frequently at maybe in slightly dazed and confused state. So maybe I need to go back. It's been a couple of years, just fully a hundred percent sober dad life and see if it's the same experience. That's, that is something yeah. I probably need to do. Yeah. There's a girl on TikTok that literally that's her whole page is she goes to donut places and rates them and she is very viral. Like that's her whole page. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you, I watch some food YouTube videos and things like this. <laughs> There's actually LEL athlete Eric the Electric who he it, he does a bunch of cycling and whatever, but he does food challenges. There's even a BPN athlete who does food challenges. I forget her name. That you it looks like one of those things where you would love it. And you're like, oh, I get to go taste donuts all over the world. Literally, how would you ever stay super fit? There's, n- How would you stay on it? Your job is eating <laughs> unhealthy food. I don't know how you could do it. But then again, you know, you look at uh, Half-Baked Harvest on Instagram. Do you follow her? Oh, yeah. 100%. I do her recipes any chance I get. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you guys. There, a lot of the recipes, I feel like they really are on the border of healthy or unhealthy. They're not low calorie, but they're usually real quality ingredients. And a lot of times you can, there are some low calorie foods, but most of them really aren't, but they're so hearty and unbelievably delicious. But I will say that her orange chicken recipe is actually extremely healthy and great on macros. And she'll make that. She'll make the tikka masala. She has this salad with uh, roasted chickpeas. That's insane. So anyways, total tangent guys, go follow Half-Baked Harvest and don't, don't become a niche on YouTube where you have to just eat food because that's a dangerous place to be as glamorous as it might look (laughs) dangerous yes yes uh next overrated underrated is billy joel i barely know who that is overrated (laughs) do you know what's one song billy joel sings i know he's a i know that he is a musician Oh, oh, is he White Wedding? Don't ask me is he that. White Wedding? No. Does he, you know, no. Who, who sings the song White Wedding? Uh, it's like White I, Wedding. Maybe it. Maybe I think that Billy, might be it. Uh, that yeah, song's Uptown Girl is his most popular. And then Piano Man, which is the one I was going to say. And Vienna, which is going to make you cry. <laughs> Overrated. Sorry, White, guys. I was White born wedding. in 1991. White Wedding is Billy Idol. Billy Idol. Oh, my gosh. I guarantee you. So it's funny because. I don't know if my dad's listening to this podcast. Dad, I know you know the answer to this. <laughs> and if you're listening, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for calling out your age. But I remember the white wedding thing. He did this funny lip. Billy Idol, dude. Billy Idol might be cooler than Billy Joel. I, but I don't really know. I, yeah, again, I'm 30, but I was born in 1991. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. Okay, I know the answer to this one. Overrated, underrated, off the bike, warm up, pre-ride, on the trainer, or indoors. Could not be more underrated could not be more underrated when people complain about pain on the bike but they don't take five minutes to prep for that athletic endeavor listen i understand how you could maybe just not think about it a lot of people feel like they're honestly so far gone where they're like this is just the way it is i've been riding for 20 years i just feel like this but they refuse to change think about this from the most common sense with the most logical perspective ever do you think an nfl athlete ever just runs out onto the field or even practice without doing some form of a prep any stretch at all or 
I don't know, someone going into a jujitsu match doesn't do any movement or stretch. I mean, even my grandpa, before he would do a bench press, would just shake his shoulders out for a second. So to think that you're getting out of bed, feeling stiff, and you just, you know, mosey your way onto the trainer or the bike. I mean, I get that typically we have longer warm-up periods. A lot of times your workouts can be lower intensity and longer duration. Those things do lend themselves to being able to start cold. But just use some simple logic here, you guys. Prep your body. We're using very similar muscle groups throughout like it's the most the movement in cycling is the most one of the most repetitive things you can do so to think that you're going to have a well-rounded body from just cycling uh is illogical so prep your body activate muscles you don't use as much you'll feel way better dang your grandpa's like out there bench pressing and mine just like rides his bike to the post office so bravo Well, honestly, my grandpa, RIP, I'm I'm referencing Papa the Hawk. Actually, my hawk tattoo on my forearm is inspired by him, but he had the most, (laughs) honestly, he had the most blown out, destroyed shoulders of probably anybody (laughs) on the planet because he was the guy that he'd do a little shakeout, but he was the guy that walks into a gym from from what I've heard. You know, he sees the dude benching 225 and he's just totally cold and just goes and throws it up or something. But and that's kind of a a loose story. But there's a lot of guys like that in the gym. You know, these dudes that show up in jeans and they don't even warm up and they just start hitting heavy weight and they're just half repping for their their whole life. Anyways, half 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 repping their whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Half repping their whole life. But shout out to Pop of the Hawk. Dang, I miss that guy. Overrated, underrated, waxing bike chains. We just started doing this, and I would say it's definitely underrated. Yeah, yeah. I just had my first wax chain. Thank you, Matt, from AE Service, a really cool local service bike shop in my area. He waxed my mountain bike chain, which I thought was a bad idea initially. I was like, why would you do it? There's so much dirt and grime. Uh, but that thing stayed clean for a while, even through some you know wet conditions. And I'm taking my bike back to him soon, and I'm hoping he'll do a fresh coat. So I even used the dry wax lube from, uh, or it's not called dry wax. I forget what it's called. I think it's for more dry conditions, but it's from dynamic care chain lube. And it's a wax lube that you can follow up a wax chain with. So as if you want to just kind of freshen it up a little bit, which I thought was necessary just to keep things sounding smooth. That was kind of a good follow up. So dynamic care actually sent that to me. So shout out to you guys. Overrated, underrated protein. (laughs) Underrated, the most underrated macronutrient of our generation people. I mean, there's only three, but you know, carbs have been vilified. Uh, they've also been glorified. Fat has been the most <laughs> overrated, overly glorified macronutrient. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started with that. But they've also been vilified as well. And, but protein, for whatever reason, I mean, I guess unless you're in the bodybuilding community, it feels like it's almost vilified or people are constantly trying to do the bare minimum. And that's what I notice with endurance sports is people are so set on, well, I only need to get 0.8 uh, per one kilogram of body weight of protein or whatever, which I believe is the, the the minimum for effectiveness with endurance athletes or something along those lines. I always bump it up because the reason, yes, there's so many more reasons to eat protein besides just muscle repair. So eating a lot of protein in regards to aesthetics, first off, it makes you feel more full and more satiated. That feeling alone is another huge reason to eat a little bit of extra protein. Now, your timing somewhat ha- is important because you don't want to have a bunch of protein in your stomach, just sitting in there, uh, requiring digestion and energy uh, that your body doesn't need before an endurance effort or during an endurance effort. You want to slip a little bit in there if it's a really long activity, again, to feel a little bit full and also to make sure you're on top of your muscle repair. But you don't want a bunch of protein before you go and do a ride. That is very true. But 
to feel satiated post-ride, you, you make sure, first off, muscle is repaired to the max. This is where BCAAs come in uh, from the previous question. That's also another step you can take. But you also feel more full and satiated, which is a feeling that just makes your perceived effort throughout the day better. Whether it's being in a calorie deficit or recovering from a workout, that is very important. Uh, you also improve your, your metabolic rate in general. They refer to it as your NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So basically, your body trying to process the food uh, actually revs up your metabolism because it requires more energy to break it down. And it's crazy, but there's I, I wish I had it in front of me, Amber, this is one thing I wish I would have prepped for. There's a really cool study about it. And I think it was in an episode we did about protein, but it said how many calories you could burn up to extra per day, but it was as significant as, significant as like 150 or 200 extra calories or something. It was way more than I expected, to be honest. And just so you guys know too, I, I recommend everyone to eat 0.8 to 1.1 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And it depends on what you're doing. If you're in a maintenance phase, 0.8 grams is plenty to not only feel satiated, but get the muscle recovery and all those benefits. If you're in more of a deficit, eating more protein makes you feel a little bit better because it makes you feel more satiated. Um, and also it helps improve your knee. So it, it boosts your meta metabolic rate. So those are things that you can fluctuate, but it's, it's on the higher side. So when I have people tell me, well, you only need this amount or whatever, I'm like, okay, that is true. But again, there's other reasons to eat protein. So the answer is underrated. For endurance athletes, protein's underrated. Overrated, underrated, tubeless and tire inserts. Okay. Tubeless tires are underrated for mountain biking, potentially overrated for road. I've never used tubeless tires on the road bike. I feel like the people that do swear by them and the people that don't who have tried them tell you not to do it. I've heard on the road bike, it's just not worth it because you're running such high pressures anyways. You don't notice it as much. I could see as the volume of your tire comes up or you get closer to gravel and like a gravel race or a gravel type tire that tubeless would become really important. But again, then you're kind of getting to the point of bridging the gap between mountain biking and road. So I haven't tried it for road bike and just to save on any potential headache, it doesn't feel necessary. So I'll say it's overrated there. Tire inserts also, I have never tried them. I think unless you're racing downhill, they are overrated. This is another one that I think people do tend to swear by, but here's the reality. There are a lot of extra weight. <laughs> I think a lot of people could benefit from running higher pressures. And I know from just being around so many people running tire inserts in Enduro that although it does help run lower pressure and save on pinch flats, they get a lot of cuts in their tire because they're running lower pressure from sharper rocks. So that's been something that's kind of interesting where it's like they now are running such low pressure that their tire slices a little bit easier through the top, but they're not necessarily getting up pinch flat, uh, you know, toward the rim. So, and, and you're also saving your rim. That's a huge thing. And with downhill, even Kaylee was talking about it. You're smashing things so hard that even they just run one in the rear. But if you're not racing downhill, you should probably be trying to find a little smoother line, riding a little bit lighter. I get stuff happens. Oh, I get, by the way, e-bikes, heavier bikes. Again, you could be smashing stuff a little harder, maybe one in the rear, but I think in general, tire inserts are overrated. Okay. Overrated, underrated, Bulgarian split swaps for cyclists. Underrated. I mean, I just did them yesterday and posted them to my Instagram. They're amazing. Uh, amazing movement. Just make sure your volume isn't too high. If you're doing sets of Bulgarian split squats, you're doing, you're going heavy and you're doing like, I don't know, let's just say you do three sets of 10 and then you have another leg workout. Uh, you can get sore from those really, really quickly, I guess is what I'm saying. When I did my workout yesterday, I had some other leg work, not much, but I only did sets of five on each leg. And I went 
somewhat not, I wouldn't say I went heavy for myself. I just haven't done them in a long time. So I was only holding 25 pound dumbbells in each hand sets of five, but honestly, between some hard riding days, like it made my, like I felt it in my legs, uh, but in a good way, not to where I feel debilitated the next day. I feel a little stronger from it. I feel a little bit more stable. So I would just say control your volume because those can get away from you really, really quickly. And that's mostly because it's a knee dominant movement. You're using a lot of your quad, like you do in a lot of lunge variations. So controlling your lunge volume, knee dominant movement volume, very important to do. Great movement. Overrated, underrated, continuous glucose monitors. Those are pretty cool. And those are pretty new for the most part. I think, isn't it Super Sapiens is making them, but they're not available in the US or something like that? Uh, or I don't even know. I think I've seen some. I think I've seen some people wearing them, but I have no idea about them at all. I thought there was a funny legality thing about these. I'm I'm really not sure, or maybe they didn't have something passed that make them legal. I, I don't know. But Marcus Leach, who is a Dodd fan member, who is gnarly, <laughs> he's about to do a double Everesting on Zwift. He had used one for Super Sapiens uh, and did an article on it, and I think it was Roller magazine. I forgot ruler magazine, but anyways, he did a really interesting article and he, he got a lot of good feedback from using one in regards to the type of nutrition he should take while riding. Okay. Here's the deal. I know I have to give it an overrated or underrated. I'm going to say it's overrated and here's why, even though it's really cool and interesting. And I think you could get a lot of value from it. There's so much technology that's coming out now. And we even talk about whoop straps and all these types of fitness trackers and health monitors. They are really valuable, but to rely on that as your sole piece of information, I think is what's overrated. You really have to listen to your body and get in touch with how you feel. Take a deep breath and it sounds strange, but almost just try and feel your body, feel your heart rate. I can tell when my heart rate is a little irregular or I'm a little extra fatigued. And if you are just looking at the data and you're not taking the time to actually correlate it to how you feel, that's when the information becomes overrated. And that's why I'll give it that overrated answer. Uh, But then again, I think best case scenario is having the data, checking in with how you feel and correlating the two. So if you're doing it that way, underrated. (laughs) If you're just relying on all this data to tell you what you should and should not do, then it's overrated. I'm curious about this one. Overrated, underrated, so as stretching. Oh, underrated. Oh my gosh. There's so many people who have back problems because of their psoas being tight. I actually know and worked with the guy who invented the Sewrite, which is the really popular deep tissue tool that a lot of people use to release their psoas. So if you don't know what your psoas muscle is, it's basically, I want to say it's the biggest muscle that connects your upper and lower body. I can't, don't quote me on that one though. It's one of, if not the major muscle that connects your upper and lower body. And it goes from your spine to the front of your pelvis. So it, it crosses the center of your body basically and there's so much torque and tension on that psoas constantly and if you haven't taken the time to release it or you have some weird muscle compensation where you're using it more than you should it can get so tight and long story short what made the psoas muscle kind of famous in the recent years was david goggins interview talking about it so this is a guy did you hear about that i think it was a on joe rogan or something but yeah yeah. i think quincy listened to that one and talked to me about it little bit. Yeah, it was, I mean, replayed on everything for quite a while, but I think, uh, Mac shout out to him who invented this product. I worked with this guy down at Equinox in Santa Monica, really good trainer, someone I really looked up to down there. And so he created this product. So, right. We have them in my studio because they work, they make some other really cool products too, but basically 
David Goggins was talking about how he's doing all this training. He had lost a ton of weight. He's doing the most insane endurance training, pull-ups, push-ups, just crushing his body. At the time, he admitted he didn't know much about recovery and his body just started feeling worse and worse and worse. And long story short, he says that his psoas was getting so tight and this is what he knew after the fact, but it was kind of pulling his body. It was crunching it together where there's so much tension on the psoas that connects your upper and lower body. And it crosses again from your, the front of your pelvis to the back of your spine. And it was just pulling them, crunching them into like a ball. If you could imagine just, you know, resisting some force that's dragging you down and, and making you rounded. And there's a lot of pain involved and that pain can defer to your lower back and in a lot of areas. So he said that releasing his psoas is what corrected all of that. And it allowed him to get back to his training the way he wanted. And it progressed him as an athlete. So it became really popular. Mac had launched this product. A lot of people are using it. And it's a great thing to address if you are having low back pain. Now I'll say, I think the majority of low back pain is because people's lower abs are not as activated as they should be and their glutes aren't as activated as they should be. And you, then you tend to use muscles in your low back to stabilize and uh, get you know transfer a lot of force when really it shouldn't be doing that to the extent that it is. So you're feeling back pain a lot of times from that. It could be tightness from your hamstrings, just pulling on your low back. There's a lot of tension uh, or it could be your so it's something worth looking into. And I'll tell you, if you are really having back pain that you don't think could be solved from low abs or, you know, if you use one of my, the low ab rehab routine, then we do a psoas release in the bonus video, but we also do activation drills for your low abs, your glutes, some stretching that's involved. I think if you went through that whole routine, you could probably find out which one is the most effective for you and maybe spend a little bit more time on that. It could direct you. But if you've never released your psoas before and you're having a hard time getting to it because you have to go in from the front and you kind of have to move some stuff out of the way, it can be difficult to hit or to feel like you're doing it correctly. So having a professional massage therapist do it for you so you understand what it feels like is a really good idea. And then you can use the tools after that to do it yourself. Or I even know SoRite has a ton of content to help coach you through that process, even on their Instagram. So uh, check out SoRite. It's P-S-O-S-I-T-E. Yeah. R-I-T-E, you mean? R-I-T-E. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't even yeah. know what I just said. But also, like I said, go use our low back rehab routine because the bonus video has coaching for the psoas and all that. And you could even use a lacrosse ball if that's all you have. Overrated, underrated, seeing Derek Teal back on a downhill bike. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> I would love to get on a downhill bike for a day, but I already know it would be, I don't know, maybe if you gave me a week in Whistler with a downhill bike, that'd be pretty sick. So I'm not saying that couldn't happen either. I mean, if my kids turn into bike park rats, there's a good chance that could happen. But also I wonder if I would prefer just riding a longer travel trail bike in bike parks. I'm not sure. Hopefully I'll have a chance to find out, but until then I'll say overrated. <laughs> Fasted exercise, overrated or underrated. And this person seems like sh she's asking to battle her spouse. So I support her. <laughs> Fasted exercise is completely overrated. It's completely overrated. There, I get why you're doing it. You're trying to become you're trying to utilize fat more for energy and that you're trying to actually change your metabolic system. Essentially. I mean, there are, I mean, Alex Wilde just talked about doing this on the trainer road podcast, but he's a super far along athlete. He's going from cross country racing to full, like longer endurance events, like the lifetime grand prix stuff. So it, it kind of makes a little sense, but I'll tell you to do it correctly. You should be pretty advanced in your riding and you should really know what you're doing to go out and just ride fasted just to burn more fat or just 
just to, I don't know. The, the only reason you should do it is really to become a little bit more fat adapted. But again, that whole topic is so overrated because man, it's difficult to not just be using carbs as your primary fuel source. And, and, and truthfully, your body wants to use carbs as a primary fuel source. You're almost always going to be in a position where they're readily available. So why put yourself through the pain? And also, if you're going to have better workouts by fueling them, then why isn't that an obvious answer? If you can ride hard with less perceived effort, and better recovery because you didn't do a facet workout, <laughs> don't do a facet workout. I, I just think it's it's crazy. I will say though, if you ride super early in the morning and you don't eat before you start riding, I think that's okay. Just start taking in liquid calories ASAP. That would be my recommendation. There's a lot of guys I know that jump on the bike at 5 a.m., which shout out to you guys doing that consistently. And I get not eating even a banana before you start because you're just rolling out of bed, but make sure as soon as you start drinking that you have liquid calories going in your system because it'll be used quick. It won't be a fasted workout you know, you're, that's kind of the best way to do it if you don't have time to eat. This one people are like really pressed about apparently because they want to know if you think beer, specifically IPAs are overrated or underrated. <laughs> oh man, I, this might be the most controversial topic on here. I'll tell you currently, I think IPAs are totally overrated. I do. I used to drink freak like you do. Okay. I used to drink beer a lot more frequently and I still do like IPAs. When I drink beer more in my early twenties, I did like IPAs quite a bit. And I don't know if that's just because that's what everyone told me is the best beer. I don't know, but they're good. And I, I think the whole craft thing's cool. I'm a sucker for a good label. You know, I, I'm basically at the point with wine where I know I prefer, you know, Pinots and Red Blends or whatever, but I'm gonna, I, I'm in a price point. And based off that price point, I'm going for the best label. <laughs> like once I narrow down the category. So that's what I like about craft beer. It's kind of cool, the culture and all that. We have really good breweries in my area, but dude, lately... I just want a Pacifico or a 805 Cerveza. The Lime 805s are... I, when I drink that, I'm like, oh, this is as good as beer needs to be, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, and it's not harsh. And But I, I just don't drink very much beer anymore because there's a very limited circumstance where beer is going to sound and feel good to me. I have to have an empty stomach because if I have any food in my system, I will get so much indigestion from drinking beer and, and bloated. It's not even worth it. So empty stomach, number one, most likely I have to be outdoors, uh, number two, and most likely it's going to be following a bike ride. If I'm outdoors after a bike ride with a kind of empty stomach, beer sounds great and I love it. Under most other circumstances, I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm going for a tequila soda. I'm going for a seltzer. I'm going for wine, almost anything but beer. 100% agree. 100%. I'm the exact same way. Like the amount of burps beer gives me with a food in my stomach. What the heck? Am I just getting old? Oh. Like I didn't used to be that way. What is it? Okay. Do you ever wonder how people eat pizza and drink beer at the same time? Cause I've tried it and I feel like my stomach is going to explode and I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but do you know what I mean? I have buddies that will crush a pitcher yeah. of beer and eat like half a pizza I, and no, no judgment, but how do, do like you do one that? One beer. I can do one beer, empty stomach, and then have pizza, but to continue drinking beer, no way. Not a chance. My stomach would be so bloated. I would feel so crappy. No way. Yeah. I, and I get this indigestion where it it's almost painful. Like I can't take another bite of food because it won't go down. And the thing I'm a little sad about too, I tried this on New Year's. We had champagne. I think champagne kind of does the same thing to me. And it sucks because I like champagne a lot, yeah. but same. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm like, it's carbonation. I swear I'm just getting old. I think that's what it is because now vodka gives me headaches and everything is wrong. You know what I mean? 
Wait, but I don't think it's carbonation because can't you do a truly like those truly margarita flavors are unbelievable, by the way. But can't you do a seltzer? I would love I would love to do a seltzer, except seltzers give me a crazy headache. Like, I don't know what it is. I think I'm just I'm older than you, Derek. I swear. I'm just just get ready. ready. Like three years. (laughs) I know. But still, it's like all I can handle is tequila soda. And that's pretty much it. (laughs) I know this is total side topic right now, but I'll tell you a recent discovery and it's a little depressing. Whiskey makes me feel so terrible and I'm kind of sad about it, but it makes me feel so bad. The next, like the next morning it's, I've been in denial about it all year, but that was one thing I drank really frequently with the twins was I would just sip on whiskey and I was all stressed out trying to take care of these kids. And I, (laughs) at night and I love it. It's like a, it just, it's such a good drink. And I'm not saying I won't drink it, but literally even just having one, well, we'll say three finger pour of whiskey. I, the next morning, I'm just not going to feel as good. I'm going to borderline feel like I need Advil. It's crazy. It's like my body is like, mm, you've been having this a lot lately. Now it's going to give you headaches or make you feel like crap always. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a repent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of. Oh, man. I don't want that to be the case. But I, I since this week in the Dial Health Shred, which we'll get into, been drinking a lot, <laughs> a lot less. And Same. dude, I, I really do feel a lot better. And so, Same. yeah, it's really, yeah. it's crazy. Okay. Moving on. Vegan diets, overrated, underrated. Overrated, totally overrated. I'm not saying it's not ideal for some people. I think that it can be a really healthy option for a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of really healthy vegans out there. There's a lot of really healthy people almost eating every type of way, period, around the world, uh, different cultures, different food accessibility, different habits. I mean, there's some crazy stuff like carnivore diet, only eating meat, stuff like that, where long term, can you do that? I don't think so. I think there's people that probably do thrive being keto, although I wouldn't recommend it for any endurance athlete. Uh, The thing about being vegan that's overrated is the assumption that it makes you healthy. That is the worst thing. People put veganism on this pedestal to where they think that that is the healthiest diet that you can achieve. And that is so far from the truth. So that's why it's overrated. However, I do think it's, it can be a really healthy diet. And, and, you know, honestly, I'm far from vegan. Uh, but I do have vegan protein powders, mostly because whey messes up my stomach. I can't do dairy. I totally get, I think the majority of people that stay vegan for a long time do it for more social impact type reasons, environmental reasons, or, you know, a lot of things beyond just your health, which I understand and, and I do respect as well. Like everyone has that decision. So yeah, it's just, it's just assuming that it's going to be the healthiest diet for you is totally overrated. Overrated, underrated, double day training. <laughs> overrated. I think that's overrated. I would much rather have one quality session than two decent sessions. Although I understand with cycling, you sometimes have to double up. If you're riding more than four days a week, then you're probably going to have to do a strength workout and a ride on the same day, which I I do understand. Doing double day training, I think it's impactful for the elite of the elite. (laughs) I mean, if your job is being a pro racer, doing some double day training, I think could be really effective in a lot of ways just to kind of push some extra volume. But for the majority of people that are training after or before work and you have the other balance, I mean, really, you know, a lot of pros have families too, but when you're working a full-time job to double train because you feel like you need to is overrated. I think that's definitely not necessary. Overrated, underrated naps. Underrated. You know what's underrated? A 10-minute nap. I hope there's a day I get back to it 
I just started sleeping through the night again consistently. So naps aren't even on my radar. That's a level of luxury that I don't know if I'll get for a few more years. I mean, I still have my babies are about to be one. It's going to be a while before I get naps. And there are they're napping all together more frequently. So my two babies and my uh, toddler, this, their, their naps are overlapping now that the babies are taking more long naps during the middle of the day. So I think there's an opportunity to sneak in these 10 minute naps. It's just not on my radar because I'm like, whew, I mean, that is another level of luxury. But here's the thing. 10 minutes. And and this could even be to reset. I talked about this on that podcast we did recently about going from tired and unmotivated to ready to ride. Sometimes if you are tired or mentally you're having a hard time to get there, taking a nap can be that break that you need to just realign with what you want to do or to just shift gears. It could be a really good way to transition into something that you're dragging your feet on. So if you just lay down, put your feet up, put an eye mask on, set an alarm for 10 minutes and just try and breathe and relax as much as possible. Literally just, you know, there are times, honestly, Amber, where I just try and think happy thoughts. I think about things that make me happy. That is a really good meditation, meditation technique. Yeah. yeah. And it feels good to do. And it puts you in a happier state. It really does. I mean, it's a very surface level, short term type of fix. But I know that if I'm, let's just say I've been working and I want to go ride and I have time to go ride, but I just don't feel like doing it because there's all these things in my head and I need to get this done and I don't have time and I don't want to expend that energy. It sounds hard. All these reasons why not to do it. If I start that nap with the intention of getting up and getting into my ride, it's so much easier than just switching gears and and doing it. Because it's like when I wake up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ride. And a lot of that stuff has gone out of my head at that point. Overrated, underrated, bike weight. I actually think bike weight is underrated. Um, I would have probably said overrated until I started riding cross country, to be honest. The speed of these bikes because of the weight, and it obviously is geometry and suspension and uh, pedal efficiency. Those things are super important, but literally getting on a light bike, it's unbelievable how much faster it is, how much faster it rolls going up hills. I mean, having lighter wheels and tires, <laughs> kind of like we talked about earlier, it has blown my mind. So I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a full on weight weenie, but for example, I'm racing a local cross country race this weekend and I'm going to swap out my dropper post to my stiff post because it's a pound difference. I'm going to take off one bottle cage and those are little things I'm going to do to save, you know, a pound and a half or so, especially if you consider running one bottle, maybe even closer to two pounds. Oh, not having my repair kit, also not having my multi-tool on my bike. So easily two pounds. But the thing is, don't rely on your bike to save all your weight when you have obvious weight to lose on your body. That, that part is probably a little overrated. I understand how one could be easier to control for someone, but yeah, man, weight on bike is legit. Did you see the trainer road image? I think it was a couple of days ago about how like the cost of lightening your bike up is not really worth the time save per upgrade compared to just training. Oh, I did. That was a really great image. It was good. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Essentially it was saying, you know, for their monthly subscription price, you can get this much faster without any changes in your bike weight. And it's going to be, you know, 20 times more expensive to save that weight on your bike and get that same result speed wise. So yeah, the most cost effective thing you can do is just make your body more fit for riding for sure. Overrated, underrated, static stretching. Underrated. Oh my gosh. I know I'm on a streak of underrated right now. 
But it's static stretching is one of those things like protein where people just try and point out all the negatives of it. People are like, you shouldn't static stretch mid-workout or before a workout or what you guys. <laughs> are you kidding me? Static stretching, although it can put your body into more of a okay, let's how, how do we say this? So there have been studies done on static stretching that have said it reduces one rep maxes for athletes. And when you look into the studies, it's like someone who's about to deadlift their one rep max, which is 500 plus pounds, some college football player, whatever. And he holds like a minute and a half hamstring stretch before, and then immediately goes into a deadlift. Their one rep max gets lowered. Okay. That does kind of make sense, but to have tight hammies and to start a workout or start a ride and not stretch them out of fear of lowering your physical output is crazy because for one, when is anyone listening to this podcast going to hold a 90 second hamstring stretch and go immediately into one rep max? <laughs> Never going to happen. For two, a lot of your performance level comes down to your perceived effort. The more comfortable you are throughout an activity, the lower the perceived effort is going to be, no matter what the output is or what level of strain it is on your body. If it feels easier to you, if it's the same wattage as it was last time and you just don't have as much pain in your body, it's going to feel better. So if you holding a 60 second hamstring stretch just relieves them enough to feel more comfortable when you get on the saddle, do it. Same thing with your strength workouts. One thing I also always think about in regards to static stretching is martial arts. You have some of these dudes that are probably the most explosive athletes. The, the speed at which they can kick and punch and twist and rotate and jump is unbelievable. And they'll start workouts just, or they'll start their training sessions with like 30 minutes of static stretching. I mean, it's funny, but cheerleaders can be the same way. And you see cheerleaders going to back handspring, backflip, tuck, whatever, throwing each other up in the air, landing, moving super fast and super sharp. And they'll start each practice with like 30 minutes of stretching, a static stretching. So it, try and look to other influences and not just that one person who hates stretching that tells you not to do it to make themselves feel better. Okay. I'm really curious on this one. I feel like I'm going to get it wrong on what my guess is that you're going to go with. FTP or ramp test, overrated or underrated? You know what's tough about this? In the last year, I have not had a significant FTP increase, but I have gotten so much faster. Same. I mean, just Basically straight up. Same. Seriously. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because I have spent a lot of time at Sweet Spot. And although it does increase your base, it doesn't really increase your, I guess, max output, which when you're in a ramp test, you go well beyond your sweet spot, hopefully, <laughs> uh, for the test. And, you know, you're not really trained for that specific task as much. So the last ramp test I did, I basically broke even on my FTP, even though my, my ability to hold sweet spot had significantly increased. My average speed on rides had come up a ton. My ability to hold threshold, VO2 max, like all of that across the board, out riding my bike for real, doing my outdoor rides had increased significantly. So I just assumed coming into a ramp test that I would do better and I didn't. So that was a, that was kind of an interesting one for me. And it made me feel like I, I, I get why I have some pro friends who think, you know, FTP is like an interesting concept because there's so many different ways to get your number. I think that what's important is that you have a number to train off of. Now, if I wouldn't have done a ramp test on trainer road, I would not have known what my training zones were and training those specific zones helps obviously make you faster. But one thing I've noticed it's helped me with is pacing in general. When I know I have a section that's 
let's just say I'm going for a KOM and it's three minutes long. I have a really good idea about what power I could hold for that. But then again, I haven't done a one minute power test, a three minute power test, a 20 minute power test. So it'd be interesting. I'm still pretty new to this whole side of training. It's only been a couple of years now, but I will say I've had significant increases in performance without an increase in my ramp test results. Um, and it makes me almost want to, I, did you watch the Zwift Academy thing, Amber, on uh, I GCN? No. It, it was really cool. The whole uh, GCN filmed it and hosted it. And it showed these guys doing a one minute test, a three minute test, and I think a 10 minute power test. And part of me thinks that those would be a little bit more applicable to real riding. But then again, I think people have better success with a ramp test. And I think Trainer Road with their algorithm or their data has gotten better results uh, or more consistent ones through that. Because the thing about longer FTP tests, like if you do a 20 minute FTP test, there's a lot of experience in pacing and there's a lot more tactics involved opposed to just your raw pedal output for a shorter duration of time. Because we all know ramp tests, I just get anxiety thinking about ramp tests. But the truth is only like five minutes of the ramp test is hard. So anyways, I don't know. It's interesting. I would say it's underrated because you do need to know some numbers to at least start your training and have a reference point for on the bike stuff. But it's overrated in thinking that it is the tell-all for your fitness level. Yeah. And I think it's like, okay, I'm trying not to drain it here, but I have something to input here. I feel like FTPs, like obviously it's important. Like you said, it's important data to go with your training. But for me, I'm the same where my FTP hasn't changed very much, but obviously I've gotten quite a bit stronger and quite a bit faster, but I cannot ride my FTP set where it actually is supposed to be on a trainer I can't do it. I can't do it. I had to drop mine. I dropped mine like 15%. And guess what? More consistent. That FTP has to be overrated for me mentally because like I just can't freaking do it, man. You know? Oh, that's crazy you say that because I have thought about that. My ramp test results were 328 for my FTP. And I really don't think I could hold that for an hour if that's what we were kind of going off of. I mean, I just to be genuinely honest, I've done workouts where I hold that for 20 minutes or so. In doing it, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I really don't think I could do this for an hour. Like gun to my head. I don't know if I could do it for an hour. Maybe I'm stupid. Is that like the thing is that you're supposed to be able to hold your FTP output for an hour? There's no way. No it, freaking Well, that's way the thing. It depends. That. And I don't know if that's what the ramp test results are directing specifically. And yes, by the way, this is why when people ask me for writing programs, I don't do it. I know strength training, but there are these questions like we're talking about right now where (laughs) I'm being totally honest with you. I don't, I don't know all these answers. And this is why I don't program on the bike stuff. And again, could I get you to a certain point, generalized stuff? Yeah, absolutely. But I just want to clarify that. So yeah, yeah, I don't know if a ramp test, this would be a good question for Jonathan Lee. Is Mm -hmm. a ramp test supposed to be that number that you get FTP wise that you can really hold for an hour? Because then again, like I said earlier, you can have a one minute power, which is your FTP for one minute, your FTP for three minutes, your FTP for five, 10, 20, 30, 60 minutes. So I don't know what it represents to be honest, but I'll tell you pretty confidently, I don't think I could hold 328 for an hour. And you know, what's interesting, Amber, I actually just manually upped my FTP on trainer road to 335 because I've been doing workouts that didn't feel as hard as they should be. And, you know, like VO2 max workouts and threshold workouts and sweet spot. And I was like, you know, what? I feel like I can honestly take more on. So I increased it just a little bit. And so far it's been fine. But also now that I'm thinking about it, I really don't think I could hold 335 for an hour. <laughs> it's still, yeah. even though I'm handling yeah. it on all the workouts. So yeah, it's, it's a really yeah. interesting conversation. But when I first really first learned about this and started using it, it's like, 
two years ago. Cody Kaiser, my buddy, who's a super experienced racer, won a national title for cyclocross. Gnarly dude. He was the first one who told me, dude, FTP, there, there's so many ways to look at FTP. Like, don't stress about it. And I remember having this long conversation with him about it and just having him blow my mind as to why or why not FTP is important. It's kind of the conversation we're having now. There's just so many ways to look at it. And there's so many differences in speed you can have with the same FTP. Like, for example, one of the reasons I've gotten faster on my road bike is because my nutrition has gotten better. Another reason is because I've gotten more aero. My position on the bike is better and I've been slowly bringing my stack height down in my stem. So I'm just getting more aero. On top of that, my pacing is better in general. My breathing is a little bit better. I'm better at shifting. I'm better at just the control of the bike. So all of these things, you put it together. And even if my power output was the same in regards to FTP standpoint, my average speed would be higher on the road because all these other variables are keeping me at my best and keeping more and more arrow. So it is interesting to talk about. And then even, you know, the same things have gone over to my mountain biking as well, efficiency wise. So anyways, total rabbit hole. <laughs> Overrated, underrated compression systems like the TheraBody Recovery Air, like I assume like Normatec is what they're referring to. Oh, I'm going to say overrated because I've never tried them, it, but I want to so bad. Mm -hmm. The concept makes perfect sense. Compress your legs. Don't allow pooling of blood. Blood flow goes faster. You recover more, uh, more repair on tissue because more oxygen is moving around. It, it makes sense. I'm an elevate the legs guy, but if I got those boots, I'd for sure be using them. So I'm just saying <laughs> if I haven't tried it yet, I'm saying overrated. So We'll say overrated. I'm saying underrated. They're my favorite thing ever. <laughs> See, I'll probably say that once I try them. Overrated, underrated. Swimming as cross training for mountain bike. Oh, I, gosh, I have not heard of a lot of people who swim as their cross training for mountain biking, but I would say it's underrated in the sense that it has a lot of benefits. It's almost purely aerobic and also it's a total body movement. You use you pull, you twist, you rotate, you kick, your whole body's getting used. So that's incredible. What's overrated is that it doesn't do anything for impact, which is super important for mountain biking in particular. But I would say in general, we'll call it underrated. That's I think there's probably more, more plus than minus. Assuming you do anything other physically besides swimming, then you're probably fine. Okay, we'll end it on a funny one. Overrated, underrated, Chuck Norris. <laughs> underrated. What a legend. Come on. Pay, res pay respect, yeah. give respect where respect is due. Chuck Norris. I grew up with Walker, Texas Ranger on repeat in my household because my brother was obsessed with it. I also did grow up in, with a lot of martial arts stuff in general. So seeing a spinning heel hook, that's like the spinning back kick everyone talks about by Chuck Norris in his just denim pants, which I don't even know. You know, there's no stretch in those pants. I don't know how he got his legs in that angle, but he did it and he knocked that guy out and he saved the day. So Shout out Chuck Norris. Yeah, it's my hero. Yeah. <laughs> they did not make athletic fit jeans back then. Those were some stiff wranglers yeah. and we all know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a wrap on another series of underrated overrated. That was fun. That was fun. Thank you guys for letting me casually talk about it. I'm actually going to go to my Instagram after this and give more concise answers, but it's actually fun to run through the questions with you guys in real time, kind of talking through it myself, even asking myself what I really believe. So thanks for doing that. That was fun. Jumping in to the next segment, we have weekly thoughts. Derek, how do you stay motivated? How do I stay motivated? 
how do we stay motivated? I'm very happy you made this not just about me because that was my intent. <laughs> and hopefully it actually, it does help and you can you know translate it to your own life and how it impacts you because... So there are two main things that I changed in my thought process that have kept me motivated over the last, shoot, I want to say eight years or so, nine years since I became a trainer, but more specifically in the last five years since starting Dialed Health. And then I want to also tell you how I stay motivated because even when you have a clear goal and you have a mission, you have to keep reminding yourself why you're doing something. It's so easy to forget. And so the initial thing I realized that changed me from being a dreamer and becoming a doer was really understanding that no one was going to give me what I wanted, that I had to genuinely fight for it. I would say up until I became a trainer, I never really had to fight for anything quite like that. You know, when I moved down to Southern California, I literally packed up my car and went and stayed at a friend's house with no job. I had $2,000 saved in my account, which basically is your first deposit rent. And I had no business built up. I didn't even have my job secured. I went down there and did my interviews. So it was really ambitious and kind of naive and stupid and crazy. But you know, most things I think I step into are that way right before before I do them. And then in hindsight, I'm like, man, I'm so happy I just went for it. So that was the real start of me just going for something and being like, I need to fight for this. And even as I got the job and was barely able to make rent and yada, yada, go through that whole thing, I realized over and over that me just wanting it is not going to give it to me. I do not deserve this. There's no reason anyone owes anything to me. <laughs> I am not owed this position or this job or this success. So that was a harsh reality. And so going through that at Equinox was really cool and eye-opening, but there was still part of me that even though I knew I needed to work for it, it's hard to let things go. You know, down there, I was in my early 20s. Lish and I were together, but we were still living separately. We weren't, you know, we were far from a married couple. And I was really trying to kind of enjoy life. I wanted a lot of time for myself. That's when I started getting into enduro riding and made that transition from downhill into trail riding. And so there was a lot of stuff I was still trying to figure out as just a young adult. But a lot of it looking back was me trying to cope with the reality that I have to let stuff go to move into the next next phase of life. So even though I did understand no one was going to hand anything to me, I had a very hard time letting go of certain things. Now that changed, and this is kind of step two of the process, when I got married. <laughs> Literally, it's kind of a corny story to think about it, but this is the truth. When I got married to Lish, it was a little over five years ago. And I remember being on the altar, <laughs> looking out at her walking up and, and looking around and being like, you know what? I have to stop effing around. <laughs> That's what I told myself. I was like, I have to draw a line in the sand and I need to be able to let stuff go that is holding me back and I need to be able to move into this new life. And it wasn't me being like, I'm married, I need to be responsible now. It was just, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe it was some kind of reflection point then. I'll tell you, Lisa and I had been together so long that although it was exciting to move in together, it was exciting to step into this phase, there wasn't a part of me that was like, I need to be mature because I'm married and I expect to have these things in order order at this point in time in my life. And I am this age and I need to do that. It really wasn't that at all. It was just that for years leading up to that, I accepted that I wasn't going to be handed anything, but I still was trying to hang on to certain relationships and certain activities and certain things that I just, they were holding me back. Even though they were positive things that I love from the past, I needed to let it go. And that 
literally on the altar of my wedding day was when I was like, I am done messing around. If it doesn't serve my real goal and my purpose, I need to be okay with letting it go. And I can honestly say since then, that has been the case. I've gotten better at it over the years. I've gotten even more clear. And you know, guess what? When you have kids, (laughs) you have to do that whole process all over again, because now you're dedicating all this time to your kids. And I think that amplifies too. even getting the twins. I had to go through that process even on another level. And it's just more sacrifice that you make to preserve the priorities of your life. It's more sacrifice that you make to make sure the things you truly care about go the way that you want and you pour into them the way that they deserve. So for me to give the business the attention I need and my family the attention I need, I know that with writing, it's got to serve the business and it's about the only activity I can do regularly that isn't with my family or just directly with business. And that's, you know, it's funny talking about even balance. Although balance is a, I saw you post something about balance being a sham, Amber. I I totally agree on a lot of aspects because you sometimes have to divert more attention to one area of your life than another. And it's different, it's different seasons. And I will say the thing I've done in regards to balance that has been the best move for myself is just cutting stuff out that doesn't serve the goal. And although I do a lot of really cool stuff that's really important to me, I don't do a big variety of things. (laughs) You know, when I say I'm with my family, or on a bike or working adult health, that's literally almost all I do. It's so rare that I do something out of those parameters, but I think that's why we've been able to grow and be successful in these areas, you know? And I'm really proud to say that I have a healthy relationship at home and that, you know, my riding is at a place I'm happy it's at, fulfilling wise. And, and I'm lucky that it's part of the business and it's still my favorite activity to do. I'll also say there's some challenges that that comes along with, but this is kind of getting off my main point. I don't want to go too much into the balance thing, but I will just say, when you really understand that no one's going to hand it for you, I don't know how you can't be motivated. Like, how do you stay unmotivated when you know you can have this thing and you can make the impact that you were honestly put on this earth to have, but no one's going to do it for you. You need to go step up and do it. So the thing is, if you do forget, I love this quote and you can use it. Motivation is like showering, wash daily. One thing that's kind of, I'll just say, been said is overrated is motivation. In the past few years, everyone's like, oh, it's not, you know, you can only be disciplined for so long. Motivation, you know, you can't stay motivated. But here's the thing, you can't stay clean either. (laughs) It doesn't mean showering is less important. You have to surround your life with motivation. You do. And it can be really positive and uplifting, but you, this is why you control who you spend your time with. This is the way you, you need to put some boundaries on the content that you take in. Everything that you are surrounded by influences you. And until you really understand and believe that, you are not going to be able to probably make the progress that you want. So make sure the things that you surround yourself with help motivate you to whatever goal it is that you need to have. And of course, we need to take breaks and not think about all this stuff all the time. But just remember, motivation is important and you can have it frequently if you surround your life with it and you really know that for you to accomplish what you need to accomplish is not going to be given to you and it's up to you. End of story. We've got some big announcements coming at you fast. What is going on with the app, Derek? The app, you guys, is being launched at the end of Q1 and I just had a meeting with the web team that got me, it's not that it got me even more excited, but it brought clarity to this whole process that I have not seen up until this point. And even before that conversation, I talked with the Dial Health team, Amber, Brady, 
Josh. And which is funny because we kind of announced Josh on the last podcast. We're slowly announcing him into everybody. But Josh is our first hired trainer that is working on a program currently. So long story short, and, and by the way, you guys will be communicating with him a lot more in the near future. So we talked about what the real functionality is of the app from our launch and defining what that is, cleaning up things on our current website. And I don't want to tell you all the specifics yet, but I'll say that from that conversation, I could very clearly see the app in in my head and see what it's going to look like. And I felt clear on the on the use of the actual member and their process of opening it what they would use it for daily, because that is going to be a thing. You know, how you're going to plug in your workouts. Basically, the intuitiveness of using the app is very important to us. That's been something that we've gotten feedback-wise from a lot of people. And I understand, you know, so many people love the programming, but they expect an app that's very, very easy to use. And although you can access the website from your phone, I understand that it could be a lot smoother of a process than it is. Things could be faster and more efficient. And we really listen to everybody saying that. So there's been a lot of people I've had to say, hey, I appreciate the feedback. We'll see you back when the app launches. And a lot of them are excited for that too. So it's cool to have this open, honest conversation and know where we're struggling as a product. And I'm getting even more excited for the app than I did when we initially initially talked about it. Because for a while, I was like, gosh, is this even necessary? And now I'm realizing now that it's defined clearly what we're going to do with the app, why it is so necessary and why this is actually what's going to bridge the gap into this next stage of dialed health. I mean, scaling the business, being able to take on more business, it's our real top priority because I've talked to Amber and the team about it before. The truth is as much as I want 5,000 members on the app, which by the way, we are about to crack a thousand active subscribers, which has been a huge goal for a while, but 5,000 is our really big longer term goal. And I I believe dialed health is going to be tens of thousands, if not over 100,000 people in the future. However, we could not handle that type of business right now. We just could not. If you drop 5,000 members on us tomorrow, I think we would fail from a customer service perspective. And although our retention is incredibly good, we our, our dialed fam is seriously passionate about the product. And people understand once they start using the programs, they really realize what the secret sauce is more or less behind it. And they understand why it's so effective in their training. But there are people that are stopped because it's not so easy to track your uh, weights that you use, or you can't find this information, or you have to go to this screen and click back and forward or whatever. And again, they're stopped by that. And I understand. And that's why we want to clean that up. And it's going to open us up to a lot more users in the future. But also us establishing the business of customer support, the flow of content, having things happen more, I would say, consistently consistently because in general, we're a very consistent business, but we'll miss a week of newsletters because it's just that one thing I can't get to personally. So right now we're in the process of hiring out all of these specific positions and figuring out the flow of content so that it just supports a higher volume of people. And so that's like been a big goal for the beginning of the year. It's it's not just focused on the number of people that we can get subscribed. It's how do we actually service this people and give them the best experience and put ourselves in a position to where if we were dropped, you know, five thousand members at once could we actually handle it and i'll tell you dude a lot of people wouldn't admit that they couldn't <laughs> and i was sort of in denial about that for a while and I, the longer i've gone doing the online 
business as my sole job, it, the more I see clearly why it is so important to have these systems in place to handle that volume. So anyways, it's been a really cool learning experience. And I'll tell you guys, the conversations between the team and what we're already working on and the timeline I've gotten in regards to steps to launch the app at the end of Q1, they have made me genuinely believe deep down that we are going to be in that position and that this business of Dialed Health is going to be on a whole other level come April. And it's only a couple months away. But even my day yesterday, I mean, I was giving the team updates. Just what I sent you guys, Amber, with voice recordings of, hey, we just did this, we just did that, and this is what's in the works. I mean, it was a huge day, huge behind the scenes. So I've gone from believing it can happen, but kind of being confused how to feeling very, very clear on how we're going to do it. And even, and actually believing that we're going to do it soon. That That's another thing. I, I, I felt like we can do this in the future and it's like, okay, I know this is possible, but I'm like, oh no, we're going to be ready for this in a couple months if we stay on the same trajectory we've been on in the last month. And by the way, I'll tell you guys from a personal standpoint, work-wise, I'm getting on it. I told you my wife is going to stop working at the beginning of the year. And, you know, all for all of these reasons, more work time. Now with my twins sleeping, the combination of having more work time and consistent night's sleep and a morning routine back, I can already tell this week has been unbelievably progressive with how we're moving the needle forward. It's just, oh, it's been awesome. So very fired up. We feel clear. And I hope you guys are excited for this app to come out in the end of March. I'll tell you, our plan is to submit the app in the middle of March, because it could take up to a week to get approval from, I think it's the app store to actually be launched. You know, there's some things that could be maybe not up to their standards. Things change. We need time to potentially fix it and then resubmit it. Uh, But we're hoping to do that by mid-March so that even if we do get feedback, hopefully it's not more than one or two back and forth before we're actually ready to launch. And I was telling Amber, the thing I need to be patient about is having everything completely ready and not launching it the next day. (laughs) If I, I want to make sure we have a clear drop date. And if everything's ready and I have to wait a week just to do the marketing right and set things up in the correct way, I need to be okay with doing it. And that's why we're hoping to have everything ready mid-March, launch it by the end of March. I, truthfully, Amber, I told the web team and my hopes are that we can launch it on March 28th, which is the last Monday of March. And I would just launch it on April 1st, except that's April Fool's Day and that just feels weird. So <laughs> I'm not a superstitious guy. That just feels a little bit weird. So anyways, hoping by the end of March and yeah, it's going to be really sick. (laughs) It's going to be really sick. I like how you're like, I I wasn't, I'm not jazzed. I wasn't jazzed after talking to the web web team. That is a lie. You were very jazzed yesterday and you're very jazzed right now. I can tell. Yeah, it's going to be so cool. So thanks for letting me tell you guys about that. And and big shout to all of the dialed fan that's been using the website solely. I mean, first off, our product itself, I'm very proud of the options that we have available. I'm very proud of the progress the website has made in the last year. I mean, when you look at what we've done in the time frame that we have, it's something to very much be proud of. But now we're getting to the point where I think the expectation is higher and we're getting more outside people who don't follow the content as closely and they're just expecting things to be on another level than they're at. But we're going to get there and we're going to get there very soon. So anyways... I'll, I'll wrap it up there because I could talk about it all day. And I also don't want to blow any surprises or make any big promises, but man, man, it's on. Okay, we've got dialed shred updates. How's your shred going? I guess you started a little late because of the Everest. How's that going for you now? Post Everest shred is going great. I am just a week behind, essentially. And I will honestly say it feels weird because for one... I'm not doing dry January, uh, which I really, I didn't want to do because I had just done this in October. And October was 
kind of the way I've normally done a shred where it is just to the T, every last almond is accounted for, no exceptions, no alcohol, getting a little bit aggro, and obviously that works. <laughs> and the Everest put delayed my start to the shred because I just felt crazy. My whole body felt crazy. My weight was up. I felt hungry. I felt emotional. I was just, just not in a good place to start the Everest, which I talked about on the last podcast. So I was like, okay, I'll do it one week later. And it was interesting. My weight actually stayed kind of high since the Everesting. It was like five pounds up, you guys, after Everesting. And then it wasn't until the first day I tracked my food, which was Monday. I tracked it completely. And then the next day, my weight came down like three pounds. And it's just getting rid of bloat and having less alcohol. Like I said earlier, I do genuinely feel better this week. But it's funny because I'm not as aggro on the inside as I've been with the shredding process this time around. And it's weird because I love being that way and I understand the benefits of it. And I don't know if it's because of my focus on business right now or the, just the new things happening in life, or maybe it's just because I'm not cutting out alcohol simply. That could be the reason. But even last night with my pasta, Lish had mixed everything together before I could weigh it separately. So I had like 730 something calories still. And I did scan and eyeballed it and tracked it as best as I could. But honestly, in years past, I would have been like, no, I can't eat that. <laughs> I probably would have, or I would have separated it and gotten even closer, but I, I didn't do that. And it's funny because part of me then it was like, okay, is that me? You know, I, I feel so accountable to the dialed fam that I want to do things perfectly. So when I do stray from that slightly, even though it sounds minor and I probably sound like a psycho even saying this, it makes me feel maybe like I am not nailing it the way I am. But then again, I'm doing the process. It's working. I already feel better. And the real goal is to even maintain my weight this year at my ideal weight instead of have the five pound fluctuation kind of throughout the year. Even though that's healthy and that's normal, I really want to stay a little leaner throughout the year and never get to that point where I really feel like I need to do a shred. And I've been through the process a few times and I want to get better at maintaining my closer to shred weight. So that's really the goal. And it's made me be a little bit more lax, but I'll say starting Monday felt great. And it does just, it kind of, that discipline bleeds over into your life. And dude, seeing the results of people that are doing the shred right now are getting me so fired up. I mean, the amount of people, did you see that guy I posted yesterday? You're six pounds down, FTP up 3% or vice versa or whatever, but people are getting fitter. They're getting lighter. They're feeling great. It's, it's, it's cool. So anyways, that's where I'm at with the shred. I continue to just do it this way. I'm, I'm doing it a little less aggro, but again, I started a little bit late. Now we're rolling into it. I'm already feeling better. Bloat's gone. How's it going for you, Amber? Going really good. I'm super consistent. I look at this activity calendar. Isn't it beautiful? I've only had exactly the one rest day last Saturday nice. and I'm coming to my second one, like get super consistent. I'm still right at three pounds down. I'm kind of like, but I know that's how my body works. I kind of have a slow, consistent decrease in my weight. It takes a little while. And I know that because of last year's shred. So I'm not, I'm not fretting it, you know, no big deal. Yeah. A little tired compared to last year's shred. Last year's shred, my only goal was do the body weight flow workout, track all my food. And I did really well. I think I lost like 10 pounds or 12 pounds, something crazy, but I had weight to lose. This time is a little trickier, but I'm adding a lot more intensity. I'm getting a little tired right now, but I think it's just like, that's just part of 
that's just part of like leveling up, I think. And I'm accepting yeah. it and I don't care. I'm staying the course. I'm sticking with my Can plan. Can you define what you mean by tired? Because I noticed in October doing when I was a couple of weeks into the shred, I started feeling more lethargic at night was the only time. Yes. I mean, I felt great on rides. Obviously, you're still feeling your rides. Is that when you're really noticing it? Yeah, it's funny. Like I mid afternoon, I've just been kind of tired. My workouts are generally in the afternoon anyways, but my workouts have been actually fine. Yesterday, I was so tired tired on the way home from work, but I knew I needed to get on the train. And I'm like, this is going to be rough, but I'm like, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to do a sweet spot workout for 45 minutes. I'm doing it. And I got on and honestly, I didn't even feel, I felt normal. Like it was a fine yeah. trainer ride. But by the end yeah. of the day, I'm just like holding my eyes open. But I think that's just part of <laughs> training and I just need to get used to it. So I'm not muscle fatigue tired. I'm just like tired. Yeah, it is true. That's a part of the process where it, it's where it gets uncomfortable. And I think the hard thing about dieting is it can feel so relentless because you really don't want to interrupt the process. Once you're in a deficit, you want to stay there, especially within a 30 day period. And so one thing I've noticed that has helped me because you're two weeks into it. Usually that feeling comes once you're a couple weeks in and that is normal, especially the leaner you get, the more you're going to feel that, you know, again, if you have 150 pounds to lose, you're probably just going to feel better hundred percent of the time until you start getting really lean. And then you start feeling the pull on your energy stores. And even if you're feeling rides, feeling great during your workouts, it's going to be a time of the day where you're a little, you're running a little bit low. You are on the reserves, you know, in regards to actual <laughs> using calories. So one thing that's helped me at night is watching bodybuilding videos. So there's a couple of bodybuilding influencers that I watch and it's their prep series for shows and they're going through the same process and whatever gets you motivated to be lean, I would try, this is like that motivation thing that we talked about in the weekly thoughts. This is you surrounding yourself with motivation and a reminder of why you're doing something. So you almost have to get aggressive sometimes where you know, okay, I have cravings. I'm a little bit hungry, but good. That's exactly what I need to do because that means I am on track. I'm going to crush my workout and feel it tomorrow. I'm going to get back to this point and we're going to hit our goals. Like you have to bring that aggressiveness into it a little bit and remind yourself like that motivation talk. This is why I'm doing it and it's on. So I'm going to be back there probably next week. And that's exactly what I'll be doing. I'll be turning on some Chris Bumstead or some Steve Cook or something like that, which is just, you know, bros being bros, but it helps me. I'm going to try that out. I need to think about what I would watch or what I would like meditate on to make myself motivated. My clear goal right now that I'm working towards is beating Quincy's dad on the trails at least a couple times this spring, like Sick. beating him back to the truck. That's my goal yeah. is to beat Quincy's dad. It's so lame, but I just really want to do it. <laughs> so I'm going to need to like really think on how I'm going to meditate on that. <laughs> That is a wrap on another week of the Dialed Health Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We love to see all of you tagging us in your Instagram stories and sharing about the podcast or sharing little snips of the podcast. Love it, love it, love it. So keep doing that. Make sure to post and tag us in anything you can. And also, if you want to leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app, that's going to help us be more searchable, uh, which is important because you guys, we're going to be pursuing some ads 
ads in the future, just so you know. We're hoping to bring in people that you know we obviously believe in that could bring value to you guys and help us pay for some of this production and invest our money into other parts of the business as well. So I'm just being totally honest with you. That's what we're working on. And you leaving a review really helps that out. Also, if you want to leave a Google review, say five stars and say anything positive about the website, your results, that would be incredible. But most importantly, go and get a membership at dialedhealth.com, start strength training, start your mobility exercises, and start being intentional about what you put in your body. I want you to get the results that help you be the most effective, healthy, productive, happy human possible, but also have the best experience on your bike possible. And that's the product that we strive to create. And I just want you to feel those results. So with that being said, we will see you guys next Monday. Start moving forward. Oh, 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 oh